Ski racing is generally cyclical. Teams dominate for short periods and then split, move on or give up. The areas of dominance of God's Gift, Stinger, Hellraiser, Adol are easy to remember, but there have also been so many more. The Stubbses with Fruit Swerve in 175, Justicei in 5.2, Kryptonite and then Ultra Troublemaker in 6 litre, Team 50, Ziggs, Stalker, Eskimojo, Thundernuts in the outboard classes, and then Illusion and Carlton Dry in Social. They're all amazing teams that had distinct periods of dominance, but then split, moved on, or left. Our next guest did no such thing. They were relevant and fast 20 plus years ago, and they still are. They've survived technology and rule changes, and they've somehow still remained at the forefront of the field. If you've raced, they've either beaten you, you've skied for them, or you've lined up next to them. They're an enigma. They are sports page racing. On the rope tonight, Dean Johns, As Martin from this illustrious team. Gentlemen, it is a pleasure. Thank you, Mickey. Thanks, Mick. <laughs> Great to be here. Uh, what's going on, boys? Uh, just a casual Friday night in Melbourne in stage four lockdown. Oh, ouch. Yeah, that's so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the guy from Queensland, the guy from Moama, do not feel that, but that's cool. <laughs> Let's not worry about that right now. Uh, but we're all healthy, we're all good, mate. Absolutely. Yep. Tip top. Beautiful. All right. Well, you know, I try and start them all the same way, despite being hideously unprepared or unprofessional. But boys, how did you end up skiing? Where did it start? Uh, yeah, me, righto. Uh, look, it was quite simple for me. I was born into a ski racing family. So from 73 onwards, I was going to ski races. So, uh, hang on, what year was that? Yeah, 73, mate. 73, Jesus. Hey. So, um, yeah, I, I was kind of thrust into it with no choice, but you know, obviously I loved it from a, from a young age. And, um, for me, didn't really start racing until I was in my twenties. It was just circumstantial. Didn't happen. Yeah. So, so for me, family, same thing as Dean, I suppose, from that point of view. And ironically enough, Dean and I met, you know, in our mid twenties and there's actually only six days apart between the two of us. So we're both 1973 born in May and only six days between the, between the two of us. But yeah, no, I grew up in a family of, boats and social skiing and you know, spent half my life um, you know, in Nagambi on Lake Nagambi, water skiing up there. And um, yeah, that's, that's basically how I, you know, from a very young age, from basically from the age of four onwards, um, was involved in, in social skiing. Yeah, nice. Always uh, that common link, isn't it? Like people enjoying their social skiing, either with a family or friends or whatever, and it just kind of, you know, it's like crack. Have one go and then it just leads into another. Yeah, well, as, as we all say, it's, it is the family sport, isn't it? I shouldn't have made that crack joke, but <laughs> it's all good. Um, so how did you boys find your way into racing? Like, you, you didn't start together, did you? You, you were separate no. and you kind no. of found each other? Yeah, I, I sort of um, followed the racing scene, you know, all through my life pretty much. And then by... Uh, 
early 90s, I said, right, that's it, I've got to get involved. Um, at that point, my old man was bowing out. So um, we did the deal for me to buy the boat. And um, originally I was skiing, he was driving and I was skiing, which, you know, I mean, if you were there, Michael, I would have obviously beaten you, but no. <laughs> Sounds like I was five, mate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So um, I'm a much better driver than what I was as a skier, but I loved it. But um, really, the, the the boat got faster and I got slower. I just spent way too much time on the boat and not enough time doing the fitness. And it was time for me to get into the boat, basically, and and, and move on with some better skiers, really. And uh, we were doing lake races and whatever, and the observer that we had at the time... Whilst he was very good, you know, we were sort of heading in a different direction and uh, Aaron just happened to... And he obviously wasn't Mimic. <laughs> yeah. Sounds it. Yeah, no, so I, I actually met Dean through... Um, Dean spent a, a fair bit of time with the Holden Racing Team and the, and the mer- merchandising team part of it. And I was uh, I was good mates with Craig Lowndes at the time and met Dean through Holden Racing Team and traveling the country and uh, getting getting on, on the piss with each other and uh, over race weekends during V8 supercars. And um, out of that, um, we formed a, you know, or obviously had a lot in common and formed a relationship. And uh, I had a good mate of mine that I was, I'm actually a carpet layer by trade and I was subcontracting my partner, subcontracting at the time was a, he had always wanted to ski race, a guy by the name of Paul Draper or Bugsy as he was better known to us. Um, wanted to get into in to skiing and ski racing. So Dean was looking for a skier at the time and and I, I put up Bugsy and said, you know, he's always wanted to have a have a crack out the back when he when you give him a go. So that's sort of how I got involved in the team as such. And for the first two years I was actually the trailer bitch mate. So um I was running carting around the fuel and uh and you know, putting the boat and pulling the boat in and out and looking after the boys from a, a trailer bitch perspective and and i said there's not been a single trailer bitch that's lived up to how good i was back in those days <laughs> was, i've seen a few in a couple of seasons and they weren't great let's be honest <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so um so yeah and and it, for me it was um robin Bell. i think it was probably 98 or 99 and um i was trailer bitching at the time and, and dean said you want to come for a run i was on the friday Arve, you know doing a systems check and and, you know, checking everything was okay with the engine. And um, we went for a, a squirt and it was that turn two as you're heading upstream, the big right-hand sweeper. And um, and, and I just, I, I couldn't believe the G-forces and the feeling that I got out of that sitting in the boat. And we, you know, we, we went, took for a quick squirt down and come back and I, I just said, you've got to get me in this thing. That is just the most phenomenal thing I've ever felt in my life. And, and that was where it was from there. And I was... I have a complete opposite experience where I've sat in boats and the last thing I wanted to do was continue to do it. But I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Um, All right. Well, let's face it. No one cares about you guys. We all care about the boat. Um, The current one's got its own history, but you didn't start with that either. So let's start us from sports page dash one. Uh, Yeah, that was a 18 foot eliminator, which my old man built. Uh, from new, I think it was a 1981 model. And uh, look, it was good. I, I, I'm a bit spewing that we never really had a, a 
a good chance to show what it could do because the thing ended up pretty quick. It would turn around a corner as fast as it went up the straight, but I think the fastest I ever got it to was 99 point something boat only. We never quite hit the ton. Hang on, what year was this? That was, um, I think by that stage it was like 96, 7 in that kind of area. That, that so is that 99, 89? <laughs> Sorry, keep going. <laughs> um, so basically, it was you know the, I'd started progressing with the engine. It was getting you know more and more and more horsepower into it, and the boat was not loving it. So um, we started having a bit of a look around, and funnily enough, I I got offered a drive of Exertion, the eight nice. even yep. at Mildura. In uh, that was would have been 2000 Mildura, took it for a burn and it was nice. I liked it, so we started hunting and um, and then yeah, stress popped up and uh, thought, oh, here we go. That's 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 a good boat. So we bought it yeah, boat only and put my engine in it and um, it won its first river race with us. Yeah, yeah, it's a tough. Tough setup, straight in. Um, yeah, well, and like stress was cool before it was sports page. So, like, the boat actually transcends the whole sports page thing. Like, it's the era of that boat must be what the best part of 35, 40 years. Like, that's it's pretty incredible. It's, yeah, it's a 92 model. Yeah, okay. And, so, um, and we bought it in, uh, in 2000. So, it, it, you're right, it had done a lot of winning and a lot of racing before. Well, and I'd like, I can't back this up, but I would suggest it was Peter Brideson that had it, wasn't it? Yeah. As stress. He was probably no. getting wrecked. No. Trevor. Trevor. Trevor Pierce. Ah, yes. Peter Brideson was the observer. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Flying mustache. Mm. But, like, they were probably getting records in, you know, what, 94, 95. And you boys were still picking up records, what, three years ago, two years ago? Uh, two years ago, yeah. And pro- probably some, you know, this year, except dubious skier choices <laughs> and and the like. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, you know. Yeah, we'll run with that. Yeah. yeah, but, like, the thing to me that stands out is, like, that's ridiculous. Like, in everything ever, whether it be ski racing or supercars or mountain bikes that I follow or whatever. Like, no one uses stuff that isn't brand new because if it's not brand new, it's crap. Well, you know what I mean? but the thing about it is if you, if you know it well and you stick with it, like obviously you've been around this boat, we get to a finish line, hopefully, and whether we've won or broken a record or whatever the case may be, I'll still go, I didn't like this, I didn't like this, and I didn't like this. I'll go home with a list of things that I need to do before the next race. We are going faster every race because it's, it's, we're still developing 20 years on, strangely. So- Absolutely. Mick, I think it's, it's probably one of the points that, you know, stress as a boat was one of those old, old school, you know, sort of Stevens that flew on its ass and looked awesome you know, it, you know, coming out of a corner and down a straight and, but, you know, Dean figured out quite quickly and quite early that the fastest way to, to get down that river was to as the 80, obviously I'm talking about here, which was obviously the pinnacle for us 
was to be able to turn the thing as fast as he possibly could through a corner and carry that speed. And the way that it was set up, you know, to run on its on its butt was never going to be fast through a corner. So, you know, Dean totally changed the boat. And, you know, we there was hundreds and hundreds of hours of testing on the river, and props and rudders and prop shaft links and cav plates set up and, you know, the development over that period, you know, just, you know, and I'm sure there's plenty of other teams out there that have done similar thing, but, you know, the, the punter on the, on the, on the bank probably doesn't understand what goes in to, you know, turn a boat from, you know, the stress. I think the quickest time it had done was probably a 37 or a 38 to, to then doing a, you know, a 32 minute run down the river is a massive amount of development and, and you know and, and dean had been is exactly what he said there the perfectionist in, in wanting to always better what the boat had done was what drove it to that point yeah cool and i grew i cut my teeth with an 18 foot stevens like with little loose and then we had the 19 with cut loose and like you say like we grew through that stage where it was exertion it was aggravation all similar boats but they all ran effectively slightly different and the common theme amongst them was sit them high and let them fly which like i did a i think i did a b hat i did a couple rounds on aggro when we destroyed ours sadly enough and all i can remember from that was just wail down the straights laugh as they tried to get through the corner and then wail down the straights where yeah skiing behind Sports page is, is not that at all. It's completely different. And, um, yeah, like I say, it's progression, isn't it? Like, it's... hundred percent. And, look, you know, there were early days, you know, when we were sort of developing as a team and, and, and Dean developing the boat, we were lucky enough to have some some great skiers. And, and one of those great legendary skiers was the Man of Steel, Steve Rowe. Early days said to, to Dean and I, you know, if you want to do a a quick time at the 80, all you've got to be able to do is run an average speed of 95 mile an hour down that course. And he said, I guarantee you'll smash the current record, which was back then the Shadrach record that held for, I think it was 12 years at 36 minutes, 10, you know, and, and yeah, there's been, <laughs> we've proven it numerous times again, that you don't have to be doing 130 mile an hour down a straight to be able to do a quick time in, you know, a, a sub 33, at, you know, at the 80. Yeah. Well, and that, pretty much tells you everything you need to know about Steve Rowe and how smart the guy is. Like, same thing with the the speed caps. Like, people are like, well, that's bullshit. It's out. There's no racing, but we're getting quicker and quicker mm. because people who were never forced to find progression now have to. Like, there was... Nobody was looking for progression when they had boats that did 130 mile an hour. They just went, we got this covered. You know what I mean? Like, mm. you boys are actually sitting there going, what can I do? They were always doing something wrong, Mick. I, I firmly believe that, that, you know, we were doing 105, 106 maybe in a straight line and we were that close to them, if not beating them at the finish line, and they were doing 118, 120 in the straights. So there's only the corners left. So what are they doing? You know, they're either overshooting and missing the, the corner and coming back to the corner. Yeah, plenty of that in my experience. Yeah. To be honest. You know, and, and now that the speed caps come in, people are concentrating on their corner speed and where their entry point is and keeping the momentum up. So that's why the times are dropping. Absolutely. But um, if you are an unlimited or a superfast driver in from now or in the past, basically, Johns, you're just having a crack. So that's Dean Johns, 
you can find him at Kyabram Tire Services <laughs> if you want to like sort that out with him. He's he's calling you out. Um, all right, yeah, no, and it is. It's one hundred percent legit. Like scam for you boys is a different thing to scam for other boats for a variety of reasons. One of which is your corner speed is probably something that would frighten the the piss out of a lot of people. And, and you know, we we've been lucky enough to have some fantastic. And great to go, to go behind the boat and and me it, it, you, and well, and you, um, and that is that's the common you know theme or the common comment that we get at the end of a you know a run or at the halfway run is holy shit that's the fastest I've ever gone through a corner and this is guys that are skiing behind top level you know super class or top level unlimited boats is they just don't believe how fast the thing goes through a corner. But I just saw something out here, boys. That, yep, sorry, John. The the important thing is. It's like you say, it is different. We go into a corner at a pretty rapid rate, but the, the, you know, we hold our consistency. So they're not flying in and roping the water and then twanged out of the corner again. It's actually quite a smooth, smooth. run. Yep. So by the time you get to the finish line, the sea goes, oh, that wasn't too bad. And then you look at the time and they've gone, wow, that's faster than what I expected because they didn't have their freckle pulled out. Yeah. All right. Hey, and a lot of my better as in time runs were some of the easiest because of that reason it wasn't go stop go stop it was consistent smooth as fast um, yeah absolutely but while we're here like you you boys do like let's be honest an 18 foot naturally aspirated v bottom uh a lot of people probably don't give you the time you boys deserve but you've also managed to pick up some gun skiers along the way. How do you think you do it? Like I know, I think, but <laughs> how do you, how do you think you do it? Um, uh, hang on. Speaking of, let's we got a little something coming in here now. We've got uh, we've got an uninvited guest here potentially if he can connect the audio where he is in Sydney. But uh, you know, keep going. Keep, tell me about how you pick up skiers. Well, I think realistically people looking for something different as well. Um, and, you know, we offer hopefully a decent run and, and not too much stress and people actually have a bit of fun behind us. We'll have a good run and have a few laughs, whether, you know, we win or we don't, we'll still have a good time regardless. So I think people are attracted to that also. There's a lot less stress that goes with our racing. Because yeah, I, I think from my point of view, you know, we, 20 years sitting backwards with Dean and, and it's, you know, I've ridden off a fair bit of his credibility as a driver. You know, I think when you've got a driver that is a skier that, um, you know, drives a boat and puts a, a boat in a place, you know, on the river or on a course that allows a skier to feel comfortable and relaxed, that makes my job so much easier. And, and Dean and I from, you know, really early day, we've always said this point scores were what turned it for us as a team. You know, we'd be, you know, that we cut our teeth early days in, um, you know, doing point scores and doing lap after lap after lap, you know, side by side, you know, two metres apart, you know, racing around, uh, you know, in the Victorian point score series, you know, and, and so when it, you get to a river race, you've raced under those pressures and all of a sudden, you know, Dean and I, you know, even before intercoms, we, we could we, we could know exactly what each other were thinking without even you know speaking a word 
you know, just by looking at each other or understanding body language. So, you know, from a skier point of view, to have, you know, two people in, you know, at a boat that were, you know, that they were comfortable with because, one, they know the driver was going to be able to back off because he was predicting water conditions up ahead before the observers even felt it under his butt makes a massive difference, huge difference, and gains confidence. Yeah, absolutely. I, like, I think a lot of it is you, you boys have earned your spot. Like, people know you lay down times. People know you guys are good blokes. And he's not here, but Sambo stepped in a bit for you there, as, and we'll talk about that later. Yep. But you always know what the team is going to deliver, and that's a good weekend with the potential of really good results. And I say potential because... I don't know if can, I don't know if he can hear us here. Benny Hackett has just joined the group. Can you hear us, Benny? Yeah, mate, I can hear you. Right. So you skied a season with the boys. Uh, did we deliver every time for you? Oh, mate, it was the funniest year I've had by many. <laughs> How'd you get results? What was that, buddy? Oh, we finished one. <laughs> I think. To be fair, I think we finished two. But we did like, actually. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, quite well, yeah. One what I say happened to be the record, Benny, at yeah. the Southern 80, so that was cool. I'm trying to vouch for anyone to have more laughs than we did, though. <laughs> it was good times, it certainly was good times. So, Benny, how did you get sucked into skiing behind sports page? Because that's what we're talking about at the moment. Um, you you hit me up and you actually did a photo of you and Mick, um, Peter Proctor skiing together and drew my head and pointed. Narrow with Ben Hackett <laughs> saying we'd look good together, and we did, mate. And we did. <laughs> oh, good times. Um, so like you were at that point, were you boys running superclass with Stinger? No, nah, we never did. We ran unlimited, and yeah, that's as far as we got. Okay, so you, like you've done a season or two unlimited, picked up some outrights, you came back to eight later. How was the racing for you? It's it was a more laid back, but the same type of times and speeds, but it was way more enjoyable. I thought. Why is that, mate? Um, probably just the atmosphere of it. Like you haven't got the stress of a lot of it, but you also have like a lot of good people around you to hang around with, and it just you know it was just enjoyable. You weren't stressing for every race and. You know, John Z and Sambo were just awesome to ski with all the time. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> yeah, easy. How do you fabricate, though? No, hang on, we'll come back to that. Uh, <laughs> My handles say not great. <laughs> just in terms, like, I just while we've got you here, Benny, because we won't keep you for the whole thing. It was just more of a piss take. Um, <laughs> sorry, John Z. We are going to mention Robin Vale, aren't we, Mick? We absolutely yeah. are. Don't worry about that. <laughs> it's all right. Um, like, like you said, it was less stress, but same type of pace. Was it yeah. like, was it the team? Was it the speed? Was it trust? Like, what, what made our team that we threw together last minute effectively work? Um, I think it's we all sort of knew what everyone was capable of. And, like, obviously, skiing with you, I knew you'd done pretty much everything. So I knew that. You could ski and just had to, you know, follow the boat. And you, Johnsy, could drive and Sambo could observe. So it was just sort of, oh, let's suck it and see. Yeah, nice, nice. And like we've said before, you've, you've 
you boys have picked up heaps better caliber skiers than me and Benny. Run, <laughs> run, run through a few of the guys you've towed. Yeah, Lisa. Yeah, look, and I, I had to write down a bit of a list here because <laughs> in 20 years there's been a couple. Um, but, you know, you, you're talking Steve Rowe, Jamie Oliver, Jason Cartledge, Chris Gell, James Buser, Nathan Glenn, Tra- Travis Oliver, Mick Kelly, Ben Hackett, Steve Berry. Hey. Yeah, those guys. Uh, Steve Berry, Jai Welsh, Troy Barons, Clancy Vaughan, Chris Mansfield, and, mate, to be perfectly honest, the list goes on. Uh, and, I mean, and what we should probably mention is we were talking about before our early days of point scores. We had Anthony King, or Kingy, as he was better known to us. And, and Kingy, um, you know, he was a absolute fanatic for, for ski racing and absolutely loved it. Um, you know, he was a perfectionist. He trained his absolute ring off. He was, uh, uh, you know, he, we, we ran the point score series and he won the hotshot novice series with that. But, you know, that early days of there was Brad um, Brad Chesser and, and Anthony King that sort of, you know, it was a three or four year period. We were quite solid team. And to be perfectly honest, for them as skiers, they probably didn't get the recognition because it was one or two engine problems or something go wrong and, you know, we didn't quite finish. Surely not. No, I know. Hard to believe, mate. <laughs> um, being an eight-litre engine uh, in engine class racing, but yeah, no, those those two boys were, you know, from Dean and I, I suppose, you know, forming as a team, were crucial to where, what we were able to do at that later point of having sort of, you know, those caliber skiers. I'll, you know, one thing I'll, I'll never forget, you know, was towing Steve Rowe and Jamie Oliver at Mildura, where you mm. know, Dean and I were able to break a record, and you know, we had two absolute legends of ski racing skiing behind the boat. And, you know, and basically, you know, the halfway we were under the, the record pace and was, you know, spoke to the two boys and, and they said to us, just keep it pinged all the way home. And I remember the look of fear on Dean's face of whether the engine was, you know, going to make it back home. But it was, um, you know, that that's, you know, you're only ever as good as your two skiers that are, that are standing at the back. And, um, you know, Dean can develop and, and, you know, and get the engine and the boat as fast as he possibly can. But if you, if you don't have capable boys and a capable team and that trust happening, well, you're just never going to get across the line. So, yeah, we, we've been extremely lucky that, you know, the, the, the types of skis and the caliber skis that we've been able to have as part of the team over the years. Yeah, but you earn that too, boys. And like, like you say, as a team, people know what, what to expect. And it's not... Like, there's plenty of teams out there, and I'm sure Benny can attest to this, that if someone said, right, Oak, I want Benny, this boat, me driving, rah, rah, I'll pay, I'll do this, I'm sure there's teams Benny would knock back. Because there's certainly teams I'd knock back. 100%. Yeah, the best part about skiing with well, Johnsy and yourself is it was sort of, there was no pressure, and it was sort of like, well, if we get 100th, we get 100th. If we get first, we get first. It's not about results. It's about having a laugh at the end of the day. And, do, do you, you think, know, though, Benny, that, that breeds results? 100%. If yeah. you don't enjoy it, what's the point? Oh, and that's spot on. We, we only race because we enjoy it. Well, that's where I am. I, I don't mind if, if, if one of you guys was having a bad day and we get downs. That, that's all we had on the day because, you know, the next, the, the next race might be the day that the boat lets go. Just... The part of the racing that we do, how we roll. I've I've always said when somebody says, "What are you ski racing? You blokes are lunatics!" You know, what are you doing doing that stuff at that speed for? 
And, and I say, you know, we go away for a four-day weekend and we actually race in total for about 40 minutes. The rest of it's a social event. You know, it, it's about the time you get to spend with your mates and, you know, that ski racing fraternity and the family. It's, um, it, it's it, otherwise, why would we do what we do? You know, we, we're not racing for sheep stations here. We're not, no one's earning huge amounts of prize money or, or anything crazy like that. It, it's about spending time with quality people and enjoying that time. Absolutely. Although 40 minutes is probably ambitious as, I mean, <laughs> yeah, well, um, as, what do you reckon we spend racing this year at Rumba? <laughs> yeah, that was about three and a half minutes. But then, so, then we've got the opposite end of that scale, Mick, where was it, what was it, uh, that Mildura uh, race back in uh, two uh, days, yes. an hour and 43 minutes and we still got 38 litre. That was so, some um, of the best racing man Steve Berry <laughs> has ever done. <laughs> it was beautiful. Comedy of errors, that one. Yeah, but it happens. I mean, and like Benny was saying before, like we had like four races. We did BHAG, Yuchuka, Romba, Mildura. One one worked, to be honest, and it worked. It worked exceptionally well. And that was a good um, one to work. And like like you said before, John, it didn't actually work as well as it could have. Like, no, no, we certainly left some time out there, Nick. But that eight-liter record at Yuchuga is gettable and not just gettable. Like, I reckon there's the right team can take bulk time off that. So, I mean, that's cool. But then we also had some that didn't. And it'd probably be remiss of us not to talk about this. Um, Benjamin. Yeah. You're a Rombale, mate. Did did you want to talk through that Rombale? Um, It was... uh... It was busy on the way down, and then it got real busy for five seconds on the way home. Well, we made it most of the way home, and then it got real busy for a couple of seconds, and both of us went white, I think. Well, what, what happened, Ben? Because well, I, I obviously wasn't observing this day. Explain what happened there, mate. Oh, I think me and Mick might have had a bit much for lunch or might have been something to do with Johnsy's fabrications, and we kind of lost the eyelet out of the ski pole. And you what? Just, John D kept going around the corner and me and Mick are looking at each other like, uh, the hell? You were no longer attached to the boat is what you're trying to tell me. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it was like pulling quick releases at 105, except (laughs) they still weren't connected to the pole. They just fully quick released off, which, I mean, it did catch us off guard. We'll claim that. But um, I think we handled it well, Benny. It was sort of, we sunk in the water and went, you're right? Yeah, are you? Yeah. Um, what happened? And why is Johnsy taken off down around the next corner? Uh, okay. And Sam, and Sam realised you, you two were no longer there. <laughs> well, know, what, what was Sam saying, Johnsy? I assume Sam was just in a state of... What? Well, look, as you know, the, the return run, because we... You know, we're obviously on a mission to try and take that. I, firstly, I think you need to say how far under the record you blokes were to the halfway mark. And, and uh, mind you, it's prob- Robinvale record for sports page is one that has been elusive, extremely elusive for a long time. <laughs> and unfortunately, I happen to have that record in eight litre, but sitting in a different boat. Awesome. Um, and where I observed for George Fidos and Steve Rowe. And that, that record's held for a long time. I think it was back in 2008, was it, Johnsy? Something like that. And um, so that one's been one that Dean's always wanted and you guys were well and truly under that record to the halfway mark. Yeah, it doesn't make it feel any better. 
Um, I mean, someone mentioned to me the other day, Benny, that perhaps if you weren't trying to do Bunny Hop start, the Isle at Mayor Held, mate, what's, what's your opinion on that? I don't know. You had to – had pretty stiff competition and I wasn't willing to do 10 push-ups in the deck of the boat. And I actually don't know if I could do 10 push-ups back then. So I was um, busting out to that hole. Better give it a crack and put the pressure on you. I still claim it wasn't what the end result was deemed, but that's all right. I did the push-ups anyway, mate. So it's all good. Um, so, right, we've we've shut it down by just flicking the ropes off at 105, probably, what, four minutes from the end? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was um, – look, it's to be honest, it's, it's probably, for me, the biggest disappointment that I've had. It's – I mean, you know – we were at the halfway mark where we needed to be and we thought, right, oh, well, let's get on on the way home and, uh, and make it happen. So we had to cross the, cut, the cutting at X amount of time and we were, I looked down at the time and going, oh, we're laughing here. We we're way under where we needed to be. And then I reckon within two bends, <laughs> uh, it went. It, oh, yeah, it was, it was a frantic moment, wasn't it, for all, for all concerned? Yeah, the sudden stop was pretty epic. I'll give that. Mm. But probably not as epic as how we thought we'd problem solve our way out of it. Um, you nearly had it. I thought, I thought we had, to be fair. Um, was that you? Was that your idea, Jonesy? Couldn't have been mine, my friend. <laughs> what well, happened, Benny? Talk us through it. Well, me and you decided we'll go over the island. So we stand on the island. We thought, we'll go find a stick. And, you know, make a bar. And looking back on it now, there was not a single stick alive on that island. And we I was going to say, this, this was Bumbang Island that is the deadest place on earth, yeah? <laughs> yeah, there's not a green stick anywhere on that island. We searched around for probably, well, it felt like five minutes, probably about five seconds, knowing us. And so we went and got a stick, went down to the water, tied the rope through the transom. One, I had one end of the rope. You had the other end. So I thought, oh, it's coming that hard. So he put skis back on, tried to use it as a bar. And as we took off, the stick snapped and implanted itself in the front of my brand new Maha, which was lovely. <laughs> <laughs> like as implanted as it was hanging itself out of the ski. <laughs> 10 points. If, if, yeah. If only there was some way that may have been foreseeable, Benny. But... Um, <laughs> Not that day. That's cool. I mean, it happens. It's racing. We're all good friends. It was a reasonably large Sunday night, I believe. And I think we all agreed as a group, we're going to move on. Mildura is our, our race. We've got Mildura. Uh, did we? <laughs> but we did not get Mildura. Um, <laughs> what happened to Mildura, Johnsy? Look, with all due respect, you weren't, you weren't 100% that day. Remember that? You were crook. I could have been, yes. Yeah. So we limped because of you. <laughs> <laughs> Shots fired. Yeah. It's my turn now. So, um, nah, look, it was all right. The, the halfway mark was okay, but on the way back, yeah, we had a little bit of a systems failure within the boat. It was fine. We I know, I was in the boat the problem? Once, once the thing stopped... Um, I think that's when the shenanigans started, really. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> the biggest problem was the boat was on one side of the river and we were on the other. Yeah, how did we get across? Because we Johnny couldn't play golf before. Oh, did he? Oh, classic. Yeah. And then you decided to become Tiger Woods. <laughs> I mean, I think you're taking it out of context. Golf's the real winner. Um, like I, I found the stick on the bank. Let's let's be honest. It looked like a Titleist one would, from what I've seen. Um, when I teed off, we found we had issues because, what do you reckon, Johnsy? Foot, foot and a half, chunk of wood? Yeah, it was decent. And so how close did that get to scoring you in the head? Well, it nearly sunk the boat. <laughs> <laughs> it was right next to me, full kill. Yeah, it's like, well, I mean, again, completely unavoidable. But then just stirred up whatever was in the water where Benny was standing. Yeah, the lock uh, was not ideal. I still don't know what it was, Benny, but it was massive. All I know <laughs> is you ran with your ski quicker than I've ever seen. Oh, mate, I was going. You're on your own. <laughs> the dirt, some dirty big cup but did stir him up out of the water and he's coming up to take your toe. It was a cup the size of Benny. This thing was massive. <laughs> The joys of uh, an eight-litre engine class boat being stuck on the side of the river. Yeah. I'm from Queensland. Benny's from Sydney. We are not built for that stuff. We were just out. <laughs> it was sort of fend for yourself, run with your skis, we're not coming back. Uh, good times, though. Good times. Um, all right. We should probably actually get to real talking again. Uh, so, Jonesy, yeah. twin, twin carby, naturally aspirated. It's cool. Yeah, it's cool. Like, uh, what's what's the go? You, you never found injection, or um, look, we yeah, went turbos. We, <laughs> we looked at the injection thing for a little while. We actually had Motec come over and have a look at the engine, and uh, he said to me, "All right, talk me through a race." And I said, "Well, the the flag drops, so I put my foot to the floor, and uh, I pretty much hold it there." Bar a few corners, we might lift off here and there a little bit, but it wouldn't drop below, you know, six and a half thousand RPM. He said, "Well, you know, you're wasting your time putting fuel injection on it. You won't gain anything but fuel efficiency, and you don't really care about that. So, what's the point?" Said, All right. That's the end of that. Yeah, right, eh? So, so it didn't go real far that conversation. Yeah, it does look cool, though. I'll, I'll give you that. But no, that's all right. Um, so we went through the point, like we were talking about in the intro, I was talking about rule changes and technology and progression. Your boat has essentially been the same. I mean, it hasn't. We've, we've talked progression, but it's been the same since day dot. It's an 18-foot V-bottom Stevens with a V-drive. Yep. You went through a phase there where people were you know, going against that. So it was lightweight bullets, like carbon dry, super slack, um, the V drives to get the extra speed, the turbos with the, I, I never understood the rule. How, how did the turbos work? Um, it was a multiplication factor. I think it was, you know, cubic capacity times 1.4 or something like that was, was the ruling. Uh, and look, I, I didn't mind it because at the, at the end of the day, we were still competitive with those blokes. So it sort of didn't bother me too much. Um, and 
you know, I'm all about the racing side of it. So if, if someone wants to come and beat us, well, so be it. But it, you know, it was probably, you know, the, the ruling was a little bit behind, behind the times because the, the turbo engines could produce some outrageous amount of power, which a naturally aspirated engine will never. And so it was, it was definitely difficult, but, um, but it didn't really bother me so much, to be honest, because I just like to race people. And if we can beat them, well, good for us. That's sort of where I was at with the turbo scenario. Well, uh, like as you you sat in Super Slack, and I sat awesome, mate. Oh, oh, did, did you not sit in Super Slack? <laughs> no, mate. No, no, awesome. So, um, yeah, that was that Robinvale run. Plus, you know, I, I observed for for Rowie in in that thing in some Australian titles and um and state titles. But um, Robinvale that year, Dean decided. Well, actually, it wasn't Dean's fault. His sister-in-law was getting married in Thailand, so. He, he bugged out of uh, Robinvale that year, unfortunately. But, you know, I'll, I'll never forget, you know, that first, you know, it was definitely not as quick as what sports page was through a corner. But, you know, the top speed, I think at that point, we may have had out of sports page at Robinvale might have been, you know, 104, 105 mile an hour. And I remember going down the first straight, sitting up as I do in the seat, looking after my skiers and, and the, the helmet rattling on my head because, you know, I'd, we'd hit, we were doing 118 mile an hour, you know, the in sports page was never capable of, of running those, you know, those speeds down, a, you know, down a straight with what we were doing from an engine point of view. And I mean, Ian Kilpatrick or Killer is better known to the, you know, the sport was, was an absolute engineering freak. Um, you know, he was great at what he did. Um, and, you know, and thinking outside of the square and Dean's got huge, I know Dean has huge amounts of respect for being for what he did. But, um, you know, from a, uh, producing horsepower and torque and, you know, out of a four and a half litre Nissan engine, you know, twin turbo thing, but they're running a six drive off the back of it. Um, it was a totally different league. You know, it really was. Yeah, we that year was the first year that um, at Robinvale they'd ran the dash wherever you finished in the dash was where you started Sunday's race. We finished fourth in the dash behind the chief, you know, and um, we took off fourth and, on the halfway, you know, one of the boats in front, I can't remember who it was, didn't finish. And we, we come back third on the way home, you know, it was, you know, from a, a speed and competitive point of view, which is ultimately where the sport's got to now. And, you know, on your credibility of where you finish in the dash is where you, you take off from, um, you know, that, that made a huge difference. You know, we did, uh, I think it was, uh, I think the records are 30.01 or 30.02, you know, there. And, um, you know, that, that's, that's stood that test of time purely off the speed down the down the straights. Yeah. And like you say, like Killer Killer knew his stuff. And he produced amazing stuff. I well, like I sat in it too and to be fair, the, the difference between awesome the eight liter turbo boat and like the actual turbo boats is negligible. Like you you wouldn't notice it if you didn't you weren't in there hundred percent of the time. was it fair? Oh, look, you know, my personal opinion on that, you know, you, you know, he, he built that engine to the rules. He, he'd done everything and Dean acknowledged that on numerous occasions. You know, what he'd done was done to the rules, but was it in the spirit of, of an engine class, um, you know, and, and what, what I suppose traditionally was known as an engine class? You know, in our opinion, probably not. Um, but again, not taking anything away from what he'd done. He hadn't done anything wrong. He was done, he, you know, he built that engine and that boat to the rules. Um, but 
you know, uh, a naturally aspirated, you know, going back to V drives or even, you know, Super Slack was never capable of doing 118 mile an hour with what they'd done. Um, so, you know, it was, you know, I suppose in the spirit of an engine class and being able to put together a, a so-called um, cost-effective class and a cost-effective package, you know, to run a twin turbo at four and a half litre, you know, Nissan engine with a 21 force and a six drive wasn't wasn't definitely comparable to a, you know, 1992 Stevens with a, you know, a, a naturally aspirated Chev engine in it. Yeah, absolutely. And well, John's himself been involved in sort of supercar stuff and like I like my Formula One and all that stuff. Like essentially top tier racing is just finding the rules and cheating inside of it, is it not? But I mean, it's not cheating. You know, if you if you're inside the rules, you're inside the rules. But the the person that best interprets the rules, right, has the advantage. Absolutely. So, um, no, there were, and this is probably not known, you know, and a widely known fact. But you know, Ian actually offered an engine to Dean, you know, and and said, "I'd love to see one of these engines in a V drive, you know, in a, in something like he'd set up with a knowing how how well Dean and how good Dean was at setting up." You know, boats and V-drive boats, more importantly, he wanted to see one of those engines, in, you know, in a V-drive. But, you know, Dean has always held strong to being a traditionalist, you know, with a naturally aspirated, you know, cast iron or, you know, you know that type of block with, you know, with the old traditional Chev engines. And, um, and, and that's the path we pay. And, and ultimately, you know, a 32-42 at the 80 tells a pretty good story. Oh, I've seen the big horsepower motor in Stevens and... Yeah, it's, I had my one rule of special edition, and that was that I did not sit in it. So, you know, it's, it's probably smart, boys. Probably smart, but I don't know where to go next. So I want to talk about skier development in terms of when I was young, and like Benny's, Benny would be spot on for this because Benny skied Team 50 for years before he skied under-19s before he skied, like, when I was a kid, especially in Queensland, you worked your way up, then you went to six litre or you went to eight litre, and then you prove yourself in that, and then you went to unlimited. Mm. Like, it doesn't seem to be the same progression now. It's mm. the kids kind of half show themselves and they're straight behind a 21 force with 1350. Um, I mean, realistically, in simple terms, you go, right, well, little kids show with the talent. They get the best boat available. Should make them a better skier. Should make them the best skier they can be. Realistically, do you think that's the case? Because I, I don't think I do. I, I, I doubt very much. I mean, look, like yourself, people used to, do, you know, do the, the steps. And um, perhaps... You know, like looking at Steve Berry as an example, he was skiing behind, you know, a few different boats in lake races and whatever, and, and we started using him when we were doing the testing out on the river. And he was really good. And we just sort of, you know, progressed with him a little bit until the point where we said, well, we think you're good enough to come and race with us. And he, he doubted himself big time. But, you know, Aaron and I both said, well, 
you give us what you want. Like if you give us a down, we'll take you down. But we think you can do a really good time here. Just give yourself a chance. So, and I think it might have been one of the first races he did with us was with you and, and took... You know, 2000 and 2011 Southern 80 record time. Yep, took 20 seconds off our record, but... Fourth you know, hour. Fourth out, right, correct. Um, like, and just obviously, you know, he did a couple of seasons with us and then took off and went up to Superclass. And it it was good because we were a stepping stone and which we, we always seem to be in one way or another. It's either guys on the way up or guys on the way down. And that's not a negative thing on the way down, Michael. Don't it seems like it is a negative thing towards me, Johnsy, but that's cool. I'm okay with it. But people get to a point, they go, you know, I don't know whether I really want to put myself to that level anymore. Maybe I might just take a little step back. And that's where we sit. We we sit at that area where we can still do a good time, but it's not the knife edge as such. Fair question. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like you say, like you, he's on the way out. As, as you put it, are some big names of the last, mm. you know, 10, 15 years of skiing. Yeah. Well, look at, and that's something I'm quite proud of for us as a team. And, you know, we, the likes of, you know, as he, John's, he was just talking about, it was Steve Berry and, you know, Troy Barons and Chris Mansfield and Clancy Vaughan. Some of the most fun races we've ever had. South Australian titles was always a classic race for us. And we would do, you know, under-19s and, um, you know, I'll never forget, you know, we ran Chris Mansfield there in under-19s and I, I can't remember who was running behind Hellraiser or Hellbent that day with, with Cranny, but, you know, we had a little eight-litre boat at, at, at South Australian titles that, that beat, you know, Cranny and whoever he was towing in under-19s. Chris Mansfield was just a gun back then, you know. He, he just absolutely outskied himself and... For us as a as a team to be able to get a young kid across the line and push it up against a you know back in those days you know a 21 foot whether it was the the superclass or or the force I can't remember it was probably the superclass was a you know phenomenal result for for Chris and for us you know Dylan Rowe you know Rowie's you know um, nephew we towed him there in you know in under 19s and under 30 men's and I think he, he won under-19s and then ended up with a, you know, a second in under-30 men's, you know, that, you know, to have a kid to get behind, to trust and do what we do and, and push him beyond wherever he's gone before to show him, as Dean was saying before, trust in himself and, and show their capability. You, you know, it's a, it's a great thing to, to see, you know, as much as you don't want to lose those skiers as part of your team, you'd love to be able to hold on to them. You know that you can only take them to a certain point and then there is that progression where they do move on, you know, up and beyond. And for the same reason, you know, you, you know, we were talking about before that stepping stone down is, you know, for, for guys to, that, that don't want to do 120 mile an hour anymore, but still want to get that buzz and you're sticking your hand up, Nick, you know, still want to get hey, that so buzz. So was Benny, mate. So was Benny. Calm yeah. down. Yeah. And, and still want to get that buzz and going quick through a corner, but, you know, but safe, you know, that, and that's, that's what I, I think, you know, the boat and the, and the team has built its reputation on is, is being, having that trust from skiers that you've got a driver that, that knows what they want and is going to put the boat where it needs to be. You know, my job is, as an observer sitting backwards is quite easy from that point because all I've really got to do is make sure, you know, you guys out the back are not, 
you know, out of control and not doing anything silly because I know the guy that's looking forwards that's sitting beside me is going to put the boat where it needs to be and he's not going to do anything stupid. Yeah, cool. Um, most of the time. Most of the time. Uh, there's a few things I want to talk about later in terms of that, but that's not important right now. Um, you, you said then, like, Brother, it's it's safe. Like, it, as and I have spent hours and hours chatting about this, like, ski racing is not safe. There's like it can't be. It's inherently dangerous. Motorsport. Yeah, well, that's it exactly. You can't control the motor. You can't control outside variables. It just is what it is. Mm. And how you choose to control the things that can cause you damage is kind of says a bit about you as a racer. Now, having said that, you boys had a bit of a fucking incident. And it, it like it was epic in terms of things, and like Ben, Benny's got experience too. But I just want to talk about your one at the eighty, and like how did you get there, and then what what were the repercussions of it? Like how did you work through it? Well, I'll, I'll start with the mechanical side of things. We were essentially um, chasing rudder and steering and what have you so we were, we were throwing a lot of different rudder shapes at it and whatever through the year trying to make it turn better and realistically where it went wrong was i handed the job to somebody to build me a rudder mind you they had had a lot of credibility and said we've never broken a rudder and blah 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 I said, all right, well, this is what I want. Here's the shape, and they built me the rudder. And um, unfortunately, three-quarters of the Southern 80 in, it broke. And it was a brand-new rudder. So, you know, it, the rudder broke, and, and obviously that broke Aaron. <laughs> and um, and it, it, it destroyed me because, you know, I put so much time and effort into that thing and uh, to have it kick us in the nuts essentially like that was shocking. And then all of a sudden, you know, oh, that boat's dangerous and blah, blah, blah. Which, you know... that, that Everyone's got an opinion. Everyone's got an opinion. And that really hurt me because, you know, it, it, it wasn't the case. It was taken out of my hands and, and it'll never happen again. And, you know, from that day, I, you know, I make sure that I've got to say in absolutely everything that happens because I didn't then and when I went back and, and looked at it and got it tested. It, it wasn't what it should have been. Like the material just shouldn't have been there at the end of the day. Yeah, but again, like, that's hard. It's like, you're taking that and, oh, like, that's awesome. But, like, I know with Griffo's boats, especially with the Stevens, I think we did we did five or six rudders that snapped. Yeah. Like, and, like, we were arsy, to be honest. Like, we did three at Echuca, which boat rolled up the bank and didn't hit anyone and everyone got out and went shit we put the boat up the bank and walked on like it's it's another one of those things we talk about in terms of you can do everything right and stuff goes wrong absolutely but the difference between it being wrong and very very wrong is so minuscule that mm. you know it's beyond control i think with this particular point you know and, and probably good description and correct me if I'm wrong here, Johnsy, but basically the, the, the shaft on the right of the wrong material was used and um, it, it almost pretty much turned to Play-Doh. 
Um, and over, you know, after that sort of 70 Ks, you know, or, you know, 65 Ks in, the heat had got to the shaft and basically the, you know, the rudder had turned up on itself. It didn't ever snapped off and disappeared out the back of the boat. So I didn't have that whole syndicate scenario where you see the rudder fly out the back of the, you know, the boat. But um, what had happened is that, you know, the material softened and allowed the rudder to bend up underneath the boat. So, you know, we, we just before five mile boat ramp, we, we'd gone through the left hander and, and we felt a bit of a sort of a, an unusual kick in the, you know, in, in the, in the tail of the boat, in the ass of the boat. And um, I remember saying to Dean on the intercoms, you know, what was that? And he said, I'm not sure. You know, and then we went through through five mile and, you know, we're close to home. And, you know, from that point of view, we you know, we were actually, you know, doing okay from a, you know, from a time perspective. And, um, you know, we went through five mile, went through the right-hander and then the next left-hander, it, it did this again, this weird sort of kick to the left and, and you know, quite unusual for, the, you know, the handling of the boat. And I, I remember saying to Dean on the, on the intercoms, what's wrong? And, and, and he said, something's wrong with the steering. It's gone soft was the description that he, you know, that he'd given, which ultimately later on we found out why. But, um, you know, we both decided at that point that, you know, we, we backed off speed and, and that, you know, it was, it was you know, we, we needed to finish the race. The race was done. But we were ironically, you know, pretty much two bends away from where our um, family, our wives and friends at Sambo's property there, um, you know, at Piano Road or the Piano Strait, as we called it, the pontoon. And, and I said to him, well, you know, will we make it to the pontoon? He goes, yeah, yeah, it should be right. We'll be, you know, we'll, we'll get there and we'll just pull over as you boys of in ski racing know that, um, you know, when you're stuck on the side of the river in the middle of nowhere, it's no fun waiting for the, you know, the rest of everyone. And we, we still had pace from that point. So we weren't slowing anybody up. We weren't doing anything wrong. But we, you know, we decided we, we were going to make it to the pontoon. And um, it was the next right-hand corner prior to that that last bend before where the pontoon was that we've gone to Dean's gone to turn it through the left-hander and and um, and she wouldn't go and uh, it went straight ahead and ironically enough, as everyone in, in sky racing would know, the fastest way to slow down a V drive is to switch it off and the observer had wired the intercoms to the ignition and so when Dean turned the ignition off. It killed the intercoms and um, the observer couldn't hear the driver telling him to get out of the boat. So, um, you know, ultimately, you know, at the last second, I'm sitting there and, uh, you know, I'm obviously, you know, from an observer's point of view, worried about my two skis out the back because we've gone from, you know, 80 odd mile an hour to 90 mile an hour to nothing, worried about what those guys are doing. And then I saw my, my mate jump out at the last second and, um, and I've turned to the sort of basically to go to bail. And as I've done that, it's hit a pontoon, which um, basically had a, a big steel pole, illegally, mind you, um, hanging through the end of the, the, the jetty and the boat ejected me out and into that steel pole. So um, I snapped the femur out of the side of my left leg and broke my pelvis and broke my arm. And, um, and, and you know, and, and there was a, you know, something, I suppose, from a personal point of view, something you, you never forget. Um, but, um, you know, ultimately... You know, in, in the grand scheme of things, we've always said in ski racing or any form of motorsport from that point of view, if something goes wrong at those speeds, it's going to go wrong. And, um, you know, I suppose when you look at it um, from where where I sat, I'm still alive, I'm still here, um, you know, I've recovered and, um, you know, it, it, it's all okay. So, um, you know, extremely lucky on, on the day. 
um, and, and and it is what it is. But you know, it wasn't Dean's fault. It wasn't one of those scenarios. But as he said before, it's something that you learn from, and you'd hope this and you know the sport would learn from that you just you don't take for granted. You know, in, in something like what we do and the parts and the bits and pieces that you put in the boats. You know that that you know somebody else is telling you that yeah no that's okay. Um, you make sure that it's okay. You know, and you know, I know Dean. You know, the rudder gets pulled out. You know, every season it gets crack tested. The props crack tested. You know, we, we replace prop shafts. We, you know, the steering and what we do is, you know, is all ski poles. Correct. It's all new bolts in ski poles. You know, all that type of is constantly maintained. So, um, yeah, it, it it was a you know it was one of those days where, you know, in better terms, shit happens. It um, absolutely does. Yeah, and you know, like I'm old. You guys are older, which is better. Makes me feel feel a little bit better. Benny's a bit young; he wouldn't get it. But like all, like I see a lot of people blaming people for stuff nowadays, and I just love the fact that you boys just both went. Look, there was stuff that was out of control. There was stuff that maybe could have been done better, but it just happens. You're not out there looking to go. Well, old mate's pontoon was shit. Old mate's rudder was shit. I mean, we we make choices to do it. Correct. Hundred percent. Right? And we, we all know the risks of the sport. We all know why we do what we do. Um, and we, we'd always said that, you know, and Dean, Dean, and Dean and I have been in situations over our 20 years where, um, you know, you, you understand what you do and why you do it and the ramifications of, you know, of what can come from that. Um, but, you know, the buzz that we all get out of the sport in doing what we do, and, you know, again, I was talking about it before, you know, we go away for a four-day weekend and we race for 30, 40 minutes, in some cases an hour and 40 minutes. But, you know, we, we all race for that period of time and the rest of it's a social event. It's about spending time with quality people and enjoying what we do, you know, getting a buzz from it. Yeah, and, that's, and I mean, like, silver lining, you didn't have to put up with me and Ben shit for a season. <laughs> so, but for me, it was very straight cut. It was, it was this is why it happened. Yeah. So for me to be able to talk myself into getting back into the boat and going again, it was this is what I need to do. This is why I did it. This is why it won't happen again. And so the, the, the very next race that I ran, we did the fastest dash, two dashes that I've, I've ever done. And well, strange, funnily enough, it's still the fastest uh, dash that Jamie Oliver's ever done was behind my boat which is that's cool it is cool yeah that is very cool yeah and I, and i purely didn't get back in the boat because i physically wasn't capable so you know it was great that sam you know sam had been a long time part of the team you know from a, a you know a, a engine development and spending time with dean tuning the boat and pulling engines mm. in and out and you know being a great supporter and it was it was you know sam was the perfect choice you know great skier extremely accomplished you know, he was the perfect choice to, you know, to get in in there in that meantime. I wasn't physically capable of being in the boat, you know, and look at the results that, it, you know, that produced. It was, it was a great thing. Mm. Uh, yeah, and same thing. Subbed in, same feel. Wasn't a different observer, a different team. It was Sambo's in instead of as, same team. We want the same thing. We're getting the same results. So right. that's kind of cool. Um, I wanted to finish with a few... You know, just basically, we'll just we'll throw around the uh, the group here for your favourite sports page related story. But before there's, we there's do, a fair few, Mick. There's yeah, a fair few. Just, just pick one. 
But before we do, I, I had a question sent in by a listener <laughs> who may or may not have been me or Ben. <laughs> that, that just wants to know, Johnsy, when you like run the ropes out in the 30 seconds and like the ropes go tight with like six seconds to go, why'd you turn the boat off? Well, I'll tell you what. Sorry, which, which race are we talking about here? Boys? Which race in particular? <laughs> my thing. It was my thing. And I know it used to get up your nose. It was. I actually liked that it got up your nose. But uh, I don't know. It's just a thing that I did to roll the ropes out and sit there, turn the engine off, listen to the starter, and then, you know, at five seconds or whatever, fire back up and limp up to the start and go. Um, well, it didn't restart, mate. Well... It only happened once. Well, we, what we we missed the start by not much. You, you wiggle the regu- the what is it the the, the relay? Remember, you know the relay is. Yep. Wiggle the relay, off she goes. No dramas. Mick, Mick, I've got something to add to this about the, the start line stuff. You know, <laughs> in him switching things off and and the thing overfueling itself, which is one of probably my favourite stories of sitting backwards in him being a, a good and a bad story at the same time, but. It was the 80, and I can't even remember which year it was. I think it was time Phil McDonald and, and Ricky Love. And uh, it did a flame out at the start of the 80. The Carbies had, had overfueled itself, Dean. Am I right in saying that? Yep. Yep. It overfueled itself, and um, we lost. We, we missed a start. And by the time the thing had fired up, Noiseworks um, with uh, Hoggy and, 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 and Jeff, Joe Hinky were taken off behind us with the girls. And I held Dean because our race was done from that point of view. So I held Dean and let them go first. And so by the time they'd gone, we, we took off. And, you know, you can imagine within about two or three bends, we caught a 21-foot Conley being Noiseworks with a twin turbo running completely different lines to what, you know, an 18-foot Stevens V-Drive was running. And I cross and over and, you know, Dean was frustrated and angry with himself. Cause oh, I was going to say, as, like, you caught him. Yep. So instead of just following him, did Johnsy just, like, cross every straight? Correct, mate. Yeah, no, yeah, we crossed over good. each wash about three or four times down each of the straights trying to get into position to take Solid. him on the next corner. Where were they going? We were yep. going. Where were um, they going? I had two skiers out the back that were hanging on for their absolute lives because my, my driver had grown horns because he was frustrated himself and his engine for flaming out and to the point where I've gone, we're in trouble here because this bloke's out of control and I've fair and square smacked him in the side of the arm and got him to look at me and I've pointed to my temple as if to say, you know, think about it, you dickhead. And, and he's, he's like, we've gone around the next bend and he, he's tapped me on the shoulder and he's... And he's nodded his head and he's gone, yep, no, no, you're right. Yeah, no, you're right. I'm being here. Cool. And um, so as much, as much as under all that pressure, he uh, you know, was so frustrated with himself, he, he did take the time to acknowledge that he'd been a dickhead and did back off and uh, and we continued on. We finished the race. But, yeah, um, I was one, in it with it. One, one moment in 20 years, mate. Yeah, one moment, mate. <laughs> <That's right. Yeah. laughs> You've just undone the last hour of us talking about how good a team you are, but that's all right. Don't <laughs> but that's why, that's why we are a good team, mate, because um, we're able to tell each other when we, when we don't do things well. So, um, yeah. Hey, um, well, I got you, Benny. We uh, caught Carlton Dry the year we scared the 80. Um, when John Z pulled to the left of them and run up the inside into left hander, 
how bad did you think that corner was going to go? <laughs> coming to the corner, and I seen Carlton dry there, and we had a fair head of steam up coming into the corner. So we started pulling in a little bit more. We got to the corner and went, oh, that's kind of a lot tighter than I thought it was going to be. And we seen Carlton <laughs> dry do a bit of a wobble, and we both looked at each other and went, oh, this is looking different. We might just ski over to my over to the left side and just in case. And then everything's fine, but it was sort of just like, whoa, that was uh, pretty ballsy, but it worked. It was our moment, mate. It was our moment. Oh, Tom oh, I just go, yeah, I just remember going, where does he think he's going? Oh, <laughs> shit. See, I, I, I've, I've heard another side of that story where the observer... Sam Horn was telling me that you two blokes were out the back waving up like absolute lunatics to be able to get past them and to the point where the driver was looking at the observer going, are you serious? Is this what they want to do? I honestly, I honestly can't believe you were staying in that crap that fast. What were you thinking, you idiots? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Benny was too busy throwing shackers at the crowd. Just Which, getting ready to get to the finish line, you know, for everybody. Get, get the B-drive. <laughs> and if you don't think we've finished so many messages since then, we'd just get a B-drive up, yeah? You're yeah. incorrect. So, Mick. Yes. How much time is out there? What did we do? 32.42. Past a boat? Past a boat. It was That was a... Took a bit, and don't remember. Don't forget the um, the left handers that me and Sambo nearly went out to the right. Mm, so, yes, that was good. That was good. Always good fun. All right, I'll I'll go out there, and Benny Benny can have his shot too. If you got better skiers than me and Benny, Obviously. which would wouldn't be hard. Yep. <laughs> Thirty-one fifty. Yeah, I could agree with that. If we got a or. You know, he could do. We could get a dash good and you get a good seating spot. <laughs> you know, that could be in there too. Yeah, what but then... Make it even better. Wouldn't it be easier to just make an absolute meal of a dash and start mid-20s? Yeah, I think we could <laughs> that probably four times, three times. I, uh, I skied two seasons, so I reckon I probably tried that eight times. Hey, hey. this test session is a race, let's be honest. You've got to love that dash prop. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't finished with it yet, mate. Benny, please don't talk about the dash prop. <laughs> uh, for those those listening at home, John G has this ever-going thing where he has one prop that would be ideal for every dash, yet seemingly it is not. But we keep trying because you never know. Well, it shows so much promise. <laughs> Does it? It's no good for the observer. It's extremely unstable. It's it's not. It does not make the boat happy at all. It might be fast, but the boat is not happy. A good like, you know, Mildura or bridge prop. Yeah, Grafton. Yeah, Yeah, we've talked about this. Are you a shot at the Grafton record? Does uh, does Agro still have that? Yeah, it does. I'd actually. Before parking the old girl up, I actually wouldn't mind having a dip a couple of those wild ones. Like, go back, have another go at the bridge and go and have a go at Graf. And I, I'd, I'd enjoy it just to mix it up a bit. I'm in. Okay. <laughs> boys, boys, you're in. Be the hydration officer. 
But you have to see if I can still ski. So give, give me a bit to work out whether I've still got it and we'll think about it. Uh, all right, good. No, we've probably wasted enough everyone's time. We've talked about many, many irrelevant things. But I enjoyed it. Um, Thanks, me. Yeah, that's right, buddy. Um, what have we got? Is there anything left to say, Johnsy? Is there... Get a V drive up yeah? Is there is there an everlasting point to this? Oh, look, I just I just I just hope that um, you know people that have some of these boats in the shed get them back out. I know you know it's talked about all the time. People say oh, I can't get skiers or whatever the case may be. At the end of the day, <clears throat> the only reason we get skiers is we keep going. We get out there. You know, we talk to the people. We go to the presentations after and have a beer with people and we talk to people and, you know, you've you got to be out there to get the skiers. And, you know, if, I, I still love it and I'm, you know, I probably say every year, oh, next year's been the last year and blah, blah. But I, I love it and it worries me giving it away because it's been such a big part of my life for so long. Even, you know, my wife, if there's ever anything wrong with the boat and I walk in the door, she goes, oh, what's wrong with you? Oh, it's the boat, isn't it? Just fix the thing. You know you want to. And it just Yes, you do. Oh yeah. Because it's it's such a big part of me. I I need to keep going and I just love it, you know. I, I love the tinkering and the you know, progression and the whole thing. I it, it, it makes me who I am and and I, I just I wish there was a few more because we, you know, we really do love the competition and it'd be nice to have a field of thirty but back in the old days. I know that would probably never happen, but even 10 would be good, you know, just get out there. That's yeah. Is on, on that, is there too big a thing now about people winning? Like, I don't know, like, why, when I grew up racing, we came 13th in a field of 26, and I don't, know, we're no. pretty pumped with ourselves, you know. So, <laughs> put it this way, I, I don't think it is me. I mean, maybe for some boat owners, perhaps, but as far as the skiers go, if you look at you know, I'm going to say 80% of the guys that ski behind these unlimited boats, realistically, they're, they're not going to win in a real big hurry. And more than likely, we will beat them from an eight-litre class. What, why are they there? So they obviously are there because they love it or they have a good connection with their crew. I'm hoping that's the case because I don't think they're there, you know, for the shiny bits. I, I think, you know, winning is not everything. And as long as everybody's having fun, I think that's the main thing because that's why we're there essentially because we're not, we're not retiring on the, on the winnings, let's be honest. No, fair call. Mm. There's a lot more enjoyment to have than having a plastic trophy. There's so many good times we had, like, you know, Robin Bell after breaking your vote. <laughs> Sorry, Jonesy. Sitting in it. In the car park, sinking tins and everyone laughing, standing around it. Like, I, th- I, th- I think we need to re-release the video of you two coming out of the caravan at Robin Vale that year. <laughs> in your, in your get up, like, and 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 that, and that's par- you know that's a classic example of you know that just that you bikes just away, relaxed, having fun, you know, and, you know, with the pressure taken off. Um, I don't know. There was a lot of pressure on that bunny hop comp. It was. Yeah, <laughs> I was. I stressed about that and still lost. So, I mean, good times. But yeah, that, you know, that, as we said before, you know, and I'll, it's something that I'll 
stick to forever and a day. You know, we go away racing for a four-day weekend, you know, and we race for 30, 40 minutes. The rest of it is a social event. And if we can't have fun with the two blokes, you know, we're Dean and I sit as driving observer sitting in the boat. If we can have fun with the two blokes sitting on our deck, you know, walk, you know, cruising up to a start line, well, then what's the point? You know, there is no point. So, you know, that that's always what we've been about. It's always been about getting guys on that are going to, you know, want to push themselves and, and want to have fun and, 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 and ultimately, you know, right or wrong on the day, you know, if it doesn't go right, whether it be from a skier's point of view or whether it be from a boat point of view, it, it, it is what it is, you know, but as long as we've had fun and enjoyed each other's company. Mm. Yeah, nice. Bernie, a labor thoughts? Hey, I'd, if I could do it again, I'd do it in a heartbeat just because of how much fun we had that year. And just the amount of shit Johnsy copped was absolutely <laughs> hilarious. Rightly uh, so, though, Benny. Oh, absolutely. Although we, I do remember vividly what there was some spirited Facebook uh, comments about ring pulling, and this was before Mildura. And John, Johnsy flipped it on us, and both of us went silent awfully quick. Um, <laughs> he did a different kind of ring pulling. Yeah, yeah, no, he had us there. <laughs> Definitely had us there. But, uh, all right. No, well, like I said, we've probably wasted enough people's time. Boys, Dean, Aaron, Benjamin. Thanks, Ben. I appreciate you lads getting on this. Hopefully people get a bit of a laugh. If not, hey, not a bad way to spend an hour and a bit anyway. I've, uh, I've enjoyed it. So Absolutely. thank you, lads. Appreciate your time. Thanks, buddy. Catch you next time. Thanks, go. mate. Catch you after. This episode of On The Road was brought to you by Coldies, Bull Bars and Tow Bars, Savage Force and Automation and Robotics Services. It was produced by Boris the Boxer Productions in conjunction with Bisho Media, Mel's Media and Bad Lad Productions.